Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, starring Robert England and Lisa Wilcox. Story by John Skip, Craig Spector, and Leslie Boehm. Screenplay by Leslie Boehm and directed by Stephen Hopkins. Welcome back to Rise Smile Films. It's time to continue on with our Slasher Fives and taking a trek to Elm Street this week as we do in week two of this cask with part five, The Dream Child. Uh, what a wild little little film. Uh <laughs> Yeah, kind of it's kind of all over the place right mm-hmm. yeah so there's a lot of body horror going on in this film uh doing some crazy things with the story um a little dark at times too and ridiculous at the same time so can't wait to get into it we kind of had a fun just a little banter talking about late 80s hip-hop and yeah. and, and the rap scene because this and i i have it in in, in the sound bites here um, we'll, we'll play it a little bit later but uh did you see this film when it came out? I mean, were you, you know, of the were you seeing these in the theaters? Were these video rentals for you? I think I dropped off about four. Mm-hmm. I've seen pieces of this. Uh, I haven't seen any of six. Mm. Um, you know, it was a deal breaker for me in this one. I love the nightmare stuff. Yeah. The title of this film's terrible. Yeah, the dream child. <laughs> Just it leans into like, oh my god, the golden come, child. Come on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah. For me, at this point. I'm probably out of the theaters. I'd kind of moved on. I, I would still see them, and I'm going to pick up a few of them later when I had my video job. Mm-hmm. Arnold's really kicking right now. The oh, science yeah. vice. You know, it's it's. there's a lot of competition right there. Yeah, it's a different scene. Yeah, 80s action. Like, action at this time. I mean, I'm wearing Predator mm-hmm. today. Yeah. Predator, RoboCop, uh, the Rambo stuff. Total Recall. Indiana Jones. Uh, a lot of competition. Yeah, there's a lot of other things jockeying for business. And this film comes out in the crowded summer that is 1989. Yeah. August 89, which is just being devoured by Batman at this point, right? Yep. yep. But yeah, Lethal Weapon 2, Back to the Future 2, Ghostbusters 2, License to Kill. Uh, it's jam-packed. So, you know, it's been kind of scenting uh, box office returns for Freddy this far. I think the Dream Master last year was uh, the highest entry in the franchise. Like, Freddy's at an all-time high. He's on MTV. He's doing uh, videos with the Fat Boys, uh, stuff with Dokken, right? Yeah. Uh, they're doing, they're getting Freddy's Nightmares off the ground, which is going to be kind of an anthology. Or That one's not the other. Friday the 13th is the anthology series, but... They're doing like a show. I don't even know what channel that was on, but I've seen a few episodes of it. Mm-hmm. He's at an all time high right now. So is that on MTV? I don't know. I'll I'll, look up, look yeah, we'll that. we'll look it up. But if you're New Line Cinema and Bob Shea, like, how do you not just go back to the well again, right? Yeah. I, and what I've gathered from some of the research on this film was that this was a very rushed production with a lot of writers. You know, come in, pitch us your Freddy idea. What are you gonna do with it? And you know, let's see if they're, they'll still go see it just based on the Freddie name. So we'll talk about the results. We'll see what kind of what's waiting for us uh, uh, at the end here. But we have some more of the Eagle Rare uh, 10 year. Uh, we've been really liking this one here. Yeah, we have. Still really good. 
think Brady would like this whiskey. He would. And where's the damn bourbon, bitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you throw a bitch at the end of those lines. Uh, but hey, uh, time to talk about today. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's get to our review breakdown of The Dream Child. So the Nightmare films kind of start where we started last week with uh, Friday the 13th. We're not really doing recaps, reviews of previously on Nightmare on Elm Street with this series, right? It's usually we're getting in with a nightmare or some sort of interesting opening sequence. And I think this is where the series really uh, exceeds uh, uh, the other two is in these opening sequences. I always think they're really well thought out. Yeah, You know, go back to the first one. You had Tina... uh, in dreamland and do you remember part two i really like part two uh with jesse on the school bus yeah into the middle of the desert then you have patricia arquette running around Mm -hmm. uh her dreamland and this one's pretty good we had some opening credit sex uh it's nice and sweaty and blue Blue, yeah blue right and i don't know if you paid attention to some like the hand movement but there's like a lot of clawing Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of freddying of like this lovemaking um film's called dream child think we're making the dream child here in the opening credits right yeah and then so we pick up with alice for everyone kind of coming into oh my god part five what happened in part four because it is a little hard to and this series i think more than the other two what the hell happened the last time so if you remember alice our final lead final girl took on all the powers to become the dream master her brother's karateing uh, you know, the aerobics of her other friends and, and all that stuff. And she used those powers to go do battle with Freddy in the dream world and bested him and beat him, right? Yeah. Uh, we pick up with her post, post-coital in a shower. And it's a pretty disgusting shower, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, the drain's clogged. It starts filling up. Uh, we had a shower like this growing up. Mm. And th- there was times when I was like, I wonder if I could get this whole thing to fill up, much like this scene here. Mm-hmm. So I would try it. I'd put a towel over the drain, and it would start rising. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, at what point does it just, like, is the door just going to fly open and there's water all Everywhere. over the bathroom? Yeah. So I never went farther than that. But, hey, this thing fills up in the movie, and she's in this bath water here, and then gets transported to the origin, the birth of Mr. Frederick J. Kruger, right? Which is the bastard son of a hundred maniacs. Um, doing a lot with his mom in this film, right? Amanda Kruger. We see, you know, how she gets locked in with the crazies. They're going to rape her and essentially conceive this evil hell spawn, right? She comes to It's a Dream. We get some good Robert England out of the makeup as, you know, maybe he's the one that got through, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's the one that, that it makes it, it. Past, mm-hmm. makes past the barrier. But what do you think of this opening scene? What do you think of this kind of expanded mythology with with the mom? Um, how do you think we're getting started here with the dream child? You know, I think the origin of each of the three slashers we're covering right now is a very interesting side story that is secondarily important to the way we're going to kill whomever it is that's the victim of the moment. I think Halloween starts off in the best space with that through one and two. Um, Although... Even with the brother-sister thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's... I guess what I'm talking about is a fertile ground from which to craft 
origin and story from? Mm-hmm. I don't really think that Nightmare gets its its hands around that real well until middle of three when we sort of start to get into the backstory of the mom. By this point in the franchise for uh, Friday Nightmare and Halloween, and we'll talk about Halloween next week, so let's not do that now. But yeah. I think this is a space where Nightmare is really succeeding. Mm-hmm. And that is the troubled origin of Amanda Kruger in the loony bin being raped by a hundred men and which of these seeds, yeah. as you kind of poked fun at, yeah. is the opus of Freddy. Mm-hmm. That is just riddled with religion mm-hmm. and sex and well, it's almost kind of abuse. And I, I, I think the, the 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 whole you know it's the virgin birth almost too right yeah it's a little Mary Magdalene and mm-hmm. Jesus Christ dare I say <laughs> yeah yeah and I think that space for this film has passed Friday the Thirteenth by which mm-hmm. had a really great beginning too with mm-hmm. mom and then handing the torch to son that that piece of this mythology is really, really going well. To take Freddy then and to put Robert England sans makeup as one of the inmates in the middle institution as Amanda Kruger gets lost among the throes of open mouths and crazy looking eyes and bad hair and lack of anything remotely sanitary. Yeah. In a sanitarium. It's like a dungeon, too. It is like a dungeon. (laughs) It's filthy. Yeah. And then you just see the two orderlies forget to count and really don't even care. And you start to wonder, God, was it maybe more than 100? Negligence, yeah. On high. Mm -hmm. All that's working really good. And we find our our survivor, the (laughs) all-empowered super Dream Master Alice, Mm -hmm. thrown in the middle of... The backstory that is where Freddie came to be as a mortal. Mm-hmm. And she's got to live through it. So now we're talking about a real different kind of horror mm-hmm. for Nightmare. Yeah. Sexually debaucherous horror. Mm-hmm. Take that now with what you just saw at the beginning. Shot pretty nicely, to be honest with you. Yeah. It is kind of cly in the hand of Dave. Dan, 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 Dave, Dan. The hand of Dan is really clutchy, and I wouldn't say razor fingertips like Freddie has, but it is, it's probing and penetrating and gripping and squeezing and the flesh is giving it, but it's shot really well. It's a little Tony Scotty. Okay, very fair. (laughs) And the undulations of the body, those are going like skin like that when you can't quite tell what's what, Mm -hmm. and it's shot that way. I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. So you take the dare I say beauty mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. that's setting this up with the horror of where it came from. And it's a nice corollary that's going on. And you're led to think, Oh, well, we're going to get some really interesting how Freddie came to be versus how Jacob quote unquote, Jacob Comes is maybe going to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the movie finishes that thread, but it sure set up nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I agree. One of the fun parts about covering all three of these franchises is, they're nine, ten films deep. Halloween is up to thirteen entries. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, uh, but it is almost like a little mini cinematic universe uh, contained within itself. Uh, is we get to kind of build and expand on where this thing came from, and you get all these different writers that get to come in and put their own stamp on it. And this is very far removed from where, where Wes Craven started it. Right? Oh. Just like 
just this simple uh, child murderer who is now haunting the kids of Elm Street, or the, the the parents that burned him. We're so far removed from that, but I kind of like these little touches of, yes, yeah, seeing, yeah, of course he would be born from this horrible circumstance, and the nature-nurture of Freddy Krueger turned him into this monster that he becomes, right? I love nature-nurture. That's so well done, perfectly yeah. said. And to kind of couple that with Alice, who was, we saw more than capable last time out. Now she's kind of dealt, you know, with, with this, you know, they're, they're graduating high school. What does life look like after that? She seems pretty good with them. But even her father last time out was this drunk alcoholic who took the bro- the brother's death really hard. Um, yeah, I don't know what, what it's shaping up uh, for her, but I, I, I'm kind of game. And I, I like these little touches and stylistically in this film. Maybe I have different memories, so maybe I'm thinking of the next one. I think this film's got some good style to it. I think the goth- the gothic architecture, like, oh, man, this thing's gooey as hell, right? Uh, the practicality of it all. Um, they're going to take some big swings, and they're going to miss on some stuff. But I think look-wise, it's, it's, it's a fairly kind of dark movie. It's It has its tongue in its cheek, quite literally, uh, <laughs> uh, a bit later, but... I think this film's got some pretty good style, much like uh, Rennie Harlan's effort last time out. So Wes Craven's an interesting topic, I think, here. Mm -hmm. One comes out and one is what it is, and it's by far the most terrifying of all of the nightmare films. Yeah. After four and the success that the film has found, and I think the solid place that four left nightmare, all things nightmare in, as much money as it's making, mm-hmm. as much as they're turning it out, it makes me wonder why New Line didn't make Wes Craven an offer that he couldn't say no to for this. Because I don't believe that Wes Craven, if it's Friedkin, mm-hmm. it's middle finger. There's no way I'm touching this. <laughs> if it's John Carpenter, will say the same thing. If too. it's John Carpenter, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. No way. Yeah, I don't think let, Wes Craven seems like a director's, like a, a, a producer's director. I don't mean a yes man. Yeah but someone that's a little bit more easy to work with. Mm-hmm. Did they not say, hey man, the franchise is in a really good state. Did you see four? Well, I'm, I'm kind of, hey Wes, go watch three and four. Don't worry about two. Mm-hmm. Go watch three and four and tell us if you see that there's some possibility because the story's in a good place right now. Yeah, And we've got a titular female lead that's the last girl that's a different spin because she's actually super powered. Yeah. And we've got some good things working and maybe this might be a time to consider coming back. But instead, I don't think that conversation was had, Jesse, I'll be honest in my, in my dreams that happens, but the nightmare is that probably did haha probably didn't happen. And the directors popped up and I asked you, who the hell is that? And you're like, I don't know, some sci-fi guy. Well, I did look him up and you know, he did, he got Predator Two after this. Wow, that's that's. Uh, he did the. Do you remember the Lost in Space movie with mm-hmm, Matt LeBlanc mm-hmm. and William Hurt? He did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blown Away. Have you ever seen Blown Away? Um, Jeff Bridges and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, yeah. The Irish Bomber. Mm-hmm. So he got a few movies off of this, but this is kind of his first big. So the future is going to be better for this guy, but I think established now. Oh yeah. I just okay. So five, right? Think yeah. about five across the board. If you can lock down five, because we are in this competing space where all three of these guys are just battling each other for the the dollars of the never sated 
I, I think slasher horror crowd. If you can lock down five with a director and a like really mm-hmm. kick-ass film, mm-hmm. you've just bought yourself another three films where you become first in the pecking order. Yeah. I don't remember what we said after four, but I know we we had our rankings. It was Friday was one. Nightmare was two and Halloween was three. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Um, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's just rhetorical hyperbole because it didn't happen, but they have to know what a huge hit Jason's not showing up on the VMAs. Yeah. He, he's showing up on Arsenio hall, <laughs> but Freddie's like cackling across pop culture. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Michael's kind of nowhere to be found at this point. Yeah. We'll get to him in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to, to piggyback on your argument, I love it, right? I mean, I don't know if there's some bad blood between Bob Shea and Wes Craven of, hey, the, the house that Freddie built, and then, hey, I'm done with you. I don't know. Uh, but Wes Craven's making fucking Deadly Friend, Serpent yeah, in the Rainbow, right. and Shocker during this time. Like, yeah, I'd rather take uh, a Nightmare 5 from him than any of those films. By the way, I hate Serpent in the Rainbow. I, yeah. I hate that That's film. pretty overrated. I like Bill Pullman as an actor, but like... That film sucks. Yeah, that's... that's I'm with you there, but... And, and not that... Yes, Cra- right? And exactly, Cra- Jesse. And Craven's not above it, too. He's about to make four Scream movies, right? Well, yeah. So, so he still has it in him. Mm-hmm. He still wants to make that style of film. I wonder, you know, as like a creative director like god if i go back to nightmare fucking five mm-hmm. do i admit i have nothing left in the tank because then you do shocker i know right that's not much better right uh i don't know but yeah if you get me some west craven in here but hey, i gotta give stephen hopkins credit like i said like the, there's there's a cool like the camera angles in this thing are weird uh like i said the the effects work is pretty good and i think there's some scenes that really showcase Freddy as being a little creepy again, right? Uh, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of hooting and hollering in this film. Mm. Don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen, but I think there's a couple moments in this thing where I was like, that that's that's sinister Freddy that I remember from one and two a little bit. Um, well, you also hit the nail on the head, mm. I think, a minute ago when you were introducing it. Said there's some body horror. This is Cronenberg with a budget and a mega star to do it with because a lot of what Freddy is turning into now is the body dysmorphia mm-hmm. prior to the kill. Yeah. Whether that's Dan on the motorcycle or yeah. what happens Can't to, wait to poor talk about that. Greta yeah. or whomever it might be. Um, that fantastic comic book sequence with comic mm. book weirdo guy. I can't remember his name either, but yeah. um, we're really playing in a space that's not boo jump scare, mm-hmm. but watch these terrible things that I do to these bodies before... I dismember them in some manner. I kind of like that. I I, sure. lo- I love this. Fun Cause today. I mean, maybe Saw X is the exception because mm-hmm. that was fairly practical and disgusting. But you're not getting a lot of this like volume on your effects, right? right. Like here, you got like if like the arms reaching out and you're crackling. It's it looks like the thing at, at some points, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, so I'm all there uh, with that. But hey, let's introduce the 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 fodder for for this film out. So if you remember, so Alice was high school friends with the three remaining Dream Warriors, right? Uh, the Tiffany or the the Patricia Arquette uh, replacement Tuesday night, Kincaid, and then Joey the Mute, right? And they're killed off in like the first 20 minutes, and then she had a whole gaggle of new friends, uh, the bodybuilder that turned into a roach. Uh, and a couple others. And she lost all those friends except for Dan. Yep. Uh, Dan was there at the end. C- can you imagine, okay, like you go through this horrific, you know, traumatic event. All your friends are wiped out. And now you got to make new friends 
<laughs> these friends are gonna get wiped out too right uh so they're graduating here they're all kind of kind of happy they're all weird and they all got kind of their own niche like greta's like her parents are very forceful into her being a supermodel because she is a little more beautiful than you know some of her classmates uh I gotta look up. Yeah, the the comic book guy. He's really into like drawing and comic books and super fantastical ideas. Uh, but he's scared of blood. Dan, you know, he has he's the athlete on high, the the next the next big quarterback, college quarterback, but just wants to spend time with his girl. So, and then you have um, I think it's Yvonne, her friend, which. It's pretty interesting. She's in high school, but she's working at the hospital. Like I don't know. You got to explain that one to me. There, mm-hmm. literal candy striper in, in in her outfit there. But I think they do a good job of setting these people up. And even though they're not, I don't think there's uh, might be some of the worst actors in the entire franchise. Uh, I think their characters are set up for what their purpose is going to be in this film, which is Freddy fodder, right? Uh, we got to set them up with, uh, what they are, what they don't want to do. And we're going to use that as their ultimate demise. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that might come across as basic in kind of any other film as one to two dimensional, but in the Freddy slasher world, I think they do a, a decent enough job setting up the, these people. And then, uh, Alice's dad, right. Uh, coming back. I mean, he's been trying to, what is it, Matt? Is it on the wagon? Yeah. yeah, you're on the wagon when you're sober. Uh, trying to get clean, trying to, you know, be there for his daughter. And they're able to rent out or because of Yvonne, they get the the they get the pool for their like grad night party. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um I wanted this reminded me. I wanted to to bring this up to you. Can't find it? No. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll see if I can dig it here. I can if I keep looking, but Okay. Yeah. Um we went to Universal Studios um, last time I went. It was it was around May, and they were having their grad night there. Like the schools in in California, like it was like high school grad night at Universal Studios. That's pretty awesome, that right? Pretty awesome. <laughs> just, mine was at like at a health club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> where they brought in a hypnotist that made everyone act stupid as hell. Right? <laughs> So, hey, I'll get on Jurassic World, the ride, or whatever the hell for my grad night. That sounds awesome. Like, but yeah. these kids, they they get a pool. Uh, they're having fun. They're drinking. And then we get this crazy sequence, which is um, Alice, uh, in between all that, has kind of fallen asleep while awake. It's kind of unclear. And then we get this great sequence where she's kind of like switching places with uh, Amanda, Amanda Kruger yeah. on the the birthing table and we kind of get to see like what it was like when she gave birth to Freddie, the hell spawn. And mm-hmm. <laughs> first words out of that doctor's mouth. Holy shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> what did that baby look like? It's gotta be horrifying to get a reaction like that. And Oh my God, it is actually, this thing looks like Quato from total recall. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Crawling around on the floor. It's really uh, gross. And essentially this, this, this little baby puppet, Crawls into the church where they did battle at the end of part four, where Freddy's sweater and glove is, has been uh, remaining there, and this baby crawls into it and becomes the visage of Mr. Frederick J. Krueger. It's a boy! Lock the door on you! 
You've got to be defeated and resurrected multiple times. And you can only do that so much before you have to start leaning into the occult or the obscure, or in this particular case, flat out science fiction. Yeah. I don't think that the baby inside Alice is a terrible way to start. Mm -hmm. If you're the dream master and you can assimilate the powers of your friends to do battle with Freddy, it's not beyond the realm of possibility in this world for her then to maybe accidentally sucked up some of Freddy's abilities as well. Mm. Mm. And if you're playing in a dream space, the dream master, and he operates in dreams, it's already sort of set up along that way. I think the opening with the clawing and the gripping that you talked about also leads into, hmm, what's going on here? Yeah, It's all there. But... This baby that's birthed that has a Quato alien like feel to it. You got to sell that baby. Mm-hmm. And the baby can't look like a tiny, tiny Freddy Krueger because <laughs> it's so weird looking that it almost is humorous. Yeah. It, it, I get it. You got to get him back. But you have to have. Very, very particular talent to sell me on that baby. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think this has to be the hardest part, right? I mean, you're, yeah, if you're given the writing gig for Nightmare on Elm Street 5, hey, I, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I know we would, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it becomes, okay, shit. How did they kill him in the last one? Okay, how are we bringing him back in this one where we're not chagrining all over the place, right? I think this is a little bit better than Flaming Dog Piss the last time out oh, sure. in the junkyard. Sure. Uh, but I'm with you. Yeah, the the, the, the baby borders on... I I'm not going to say cute because this thing no. is grotesque. Slimy and yeah, but it lesions. Is, it is a little... Yeah, I know. Uh, like kid-like in a way. It's almost a little Nickelodeon. Cartoony. Like, a little Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's there's nothing really scary about it and good good thing this thing's not really running around the whole movie it's going to show up again at the end uh but yeah it becomes kruger it's like rebirthed him and now he's alive in the dreams and so alice is like how the hell did this happen i shut the door on you we're not dreaming about you like how is this possible and it's going to take a while for us to figure out he's using the now gestating fetus as his dream door right that's okay yeah i'm okay with that that's okay. I think that it's that's just, fine. The bridge to get there, though, right, is... You're right. I think it's the sell. Did you sell me good enough on it? And, yeah, execution-wise, I, I think it, that's hard, though, right? What if there's no baby that's born, Jesse? 
What if that's still the same premise? You're little talking, sour mash. You talking about the Freddy baby? Yeah. Okay. And because she has the baby inside of her, I think sired by Dan, unless Alice is getting around more than we know in the film. And she's taken on some of the character traits of Freddy and his omnipotent ability, especially in the dream space. And it's true. I don't know if this is true or not, but that fetuses do spend 70% of their living mortal coil in a dream state. Then I think you can start to play in a space that we found particularly successful last week mm -hmm. in Friday the 13th, which was whodunit. Now, this is not a whodunit because Freddy's obviously doing it. Mm -hmm. I put Freddy down. I closed the door on him. Mm -hmm. How is he back in my dreams? How is this happening? And then we start this path of, Maybe it has something to do with Amanda Kruger and we get to the tower and where she is, which is important and come to find out that we don't need to rebirth the baby. He still is existing in the dreams because he's still in your dreams due to the baby. Yeah. And we find out that she's the conduit that I'll, they'll close the door. Yeah. Has opened her legs and opened the door, <laughs> returned yeah. the dream power back to him. I like that better than this baby mm. crawling on this altar and then whatever the hell that weird earthquake growing <laughs> altar tree. What what is going? I mean, well, one of the one of the alternate what's way, going on? Yeah, one of the alternate ways that they wanted Freddie to come out of Amanda was to have the baby like claw his way out, which might have been a bridge too far, right? That, yeah, unless you want to kill her. He would have clawed out and been like, bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. And then scurried away like a little, like a xenomorph, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's But they, they do a good job of making that thing look gross. But the important part, we got to get Freddy back in this thing because we got to start doing some Freddy stuff and we got to have him start, you know, doing his plan, whatever that's going to be, mm -hmm. um, to use this child as a means to come back, right? Yeah. Uh, so she wakes up, she's in a panic, uh, calls Dan and Dan's, I think treats it fairly seriously. Like, oh man, why did she mentioned Freddie again? Like, are we really going down this road again? I need to go check on her. So he drives down the highway with his bottle of champagne. And I got to tell you, I thought, I think this scene rocks, right? Uh, Dan's truck nightmare with Freddie in the passenger seat. Bad year, Dan. I think hey, maybe I do mm -hmm. I have the clip for this one. If it sounds painful, that's because it looks painful. Like we go from the truck first with Freddie driving and he's like melting his arm off with the, with the champagne. And I like that he, he uses his arm as the seatbelt as Dan flies through the windshield, ends up back at the pool, comes back out and is like, well, I got to get back out there. So he gets on a motorcycle and then mm -hmm. through some sort of weird like machine melding becomes the motorcycle. Turns into a centaur. <laughs> Oh man, it's gross. It's it's really wicked. It uh, th there's a movie from around this time too. I wonder if they were inspired by it. It's a Japanese film called Tetsuo the Iron Man, and it's all about this man, you know, melding with machinery. It's black and white. It's grotesque on end. Hey, Rye audience, uh, if if you have a significant other who is like 
their uh, horror palette is like Halloween Town and like Hocus Pocus, show them Tetsuo the Iron Man yeah. uh, and see if they can make it about five minutes because it's insane, but it's a lot of this type of imagery. He looks like something out of Mad Max. It's just mm-hmm. like the wires, the, the everything. He's become the machine, and it's disgusting. I, I loved every second of this. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. This is really, really beyond the pale even for Nightmare. Mm. We're pushing the supernatural science fiction boundaries into what Freddy can do. Certainly mm-hmm. at this point, he's omnipotent, and he can exist in multi- like multiple planes at the same time. And this movie... It started to happen a little bit in four, mm-hmm. um, maybe even all the way back to three. But what's happening now is we are really going all in on the attack of your body insofar as the way that it can move, mm-hmm. what should what it should look like, and what it's capable of enduring prior to the taunting and ultimately the kill that almost feels like a relief after these people have been through the hell he puts them through with their bodies prior to that. And that becomes the chorus for this movie. That's what we're waiting for now, is in that popular song, the chorus that you like so much is waiting for the next chorus, the next body dysmorphia, the next attack on structure physically for the human human um, visage. And they do a good job with it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, But we are just, <laughs> we're not just showing up and pulling somebody into a waterbed anymore. No, yeah. We're not chasing somebody down an alley with extra long arms that leave them no way to run around the side of you. We're deconstructing their physical form. We are deconstructing their physical form. That's the perfect way to say it. And I guess my question for you is, mm. is that what you're okay with in this? Is, is that Are you okay with that in this movie from where we started, or this series? Are you okay with that now in this series? Because think- this is the leader in the clubhouse in that now by a mile. Oh, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think so. I, cause I think there's a lot of creativity that can go yeah. into a lot of these sequences. Um, yeah, you met, yeah, Tina just floating around, you know, the room while horrific is fairly simple. It's not very complicated. Uh, it obeys kind of the rules of what Wes Craven sets up as far as dream logic goes, but we've done a good job. I think you're right. Since three mm-hmm. of like, Oh, Jennifer, she wants to be on TV? Well, what if we smash her head into this? What if Freddie becomes a television and we smash her into it? Oh, you want to work out? Watch this. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we'll turn her into a worked out cockroach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think we're having fun with it. They're becoming effect show pieces. Uh, I, and I think they're very creative. And maybe this one, more so than any of the films prior, we're really, I think, having some fun with it. Some grotesque fun. Like, you're, you're talking like Cronenberg, like on high. You'd get, David Cronenberg's Nightmare on Elm Street, dude, sign me up. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I'm on board with it. Uh, and it's different than, you know, last week, Friday, where it's just Roy hacking up, you know, the people at the loony bin, right? Yeah. Here, I think we uh, do a good job of setting the person up, using that fear against them, or using their like against them or their dislike, and doing something really nasty with it. Uh yeah, Dan on this motorcycle, people. You got to go look the clip up, or if you watch the movie, yeah, you'll. I think you'll remember this sequence because he crashes. Alice, you know, it's right in front of the little diner where she works, and then he's like, "There's still more dream visage in there," where he's like, "Hey, Alice, let's make some babies," and then he's just like all torn <laughs> up and mangled. It's pretty horrific, right? It's 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 tongue in cheek, but I think there's a good amount of horror associated with that. Because you're a card-carrying member of the fan club, I'm going to ask you specifically, because mm. I think you are the 
uh, president of the fan club where I might just be um, on a side, you know, barely got the secret handshake to get into it. Slasher horror. Yeah. Would you support or refute this statement? Slasher horror, hardcore slasher horror fans appreciate David Cronenberg almost, almost as much as they do the genre of slasher horror itself. I would hope so. Leans into that space because they both do crazy things to the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, so secondary question. Is Nightmare going too far with the objectification of body dysmorphia prior to kill that it becomes too cartoony instead of spear through the eye as you're stuck on a tree for the normal slasher horror fan? Maybe for, yeah, the, the, the complete purist, but that's, it's one thing I've always appreciated with Nightmare is just how far out there they're willing to go. And, you know, they had this protag antagonist at the core of it that they figured out long time ago, mm-hmm. thanks to Wes Craven. Yeah. So he's at the nucleus of it all. And that gives them a playground to just have some fun fun with it. I, dude, we're five films in at this point. Yeah. Like, we can't just do rotating bedroom again like we got we got to turn a guy into a motorcycle this time out like we, if if we're getting the people into the seats it's 1989 and the slasher genre you know the, the heyday the golden era is long long gone that was like 84 83 yeah. was the when, when nightmare started oh we have to play in an action space now oh yeah exactly everything has to be a little more hi- hyper Fantastical, which is why I think it was appropriate for you to say it does delve into the science fiction a little bit. This does feel a little more fly than like yeah. the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. So is it going too far for me? No. It, it, it could go a little farther if it wants to. <laughs> when you're down the rabbit hole in your Reddit rooms talking to other slasher horror fans. <laughs> I know you don't, but let's just yeah. say, play it out that you did. What do you, th- not you, yeah. not you. Mm-hmm. What do you think Hardcore slasher prom night one is debatably the greatest film in the history of mankind. That guy or gal, mm-hmm. what do you think they say? Oh yeah, about about Nightmare Five. Yeah, I think they got an issue. I don't think they middle made, finger. Maybe they haven't made it to Nightmare Five because I don't think they're in on the concept. Uh, and the the other thing that it also really reminds me of too is. It reminds me a little bit of Dario Argento and what the Italians are doing around this time too. And they're doing a lot of weird body stuff too. And their stuff's nasty and very sexualized as well. Uh, Nightmare almost feels like the perfect melding of all these different hodgepodge of of genres, sci-fi, horror, fantasy, giallo. Um, They've kind of found an interesting nucleus here, but you know, for the audiences, I'll throw, I'll volley it back to you. Are we a little bit tired of Kruger up to this point? Five in, he's on MTV, he's going on talk shows. Are we a little oversaturated with Mr. Kruger? From my perspective? I mean, we, we have to get No, no, it, I'm to, for me, because I'm not you in the slasher horror, so like, yeah. big horror fan. Yeah. And fine with, with slasher. The mm-hmm. answer is absolutely yes, I, enough. Is it because his, he does have kind of this larger-than-life personality? No, you know what it is it's for me? Mm-hmm. It's... They have changed what he was in the first film and the way he the way he looked to so plastic looking. Yeah, and the one liners are putting Spider Man's quips in a ASM to shame. At this point, yeah. he is becoming more important than the series, and that also part is part of the problem with the Wes Craven question that I gave you earlier. 
We don't need to have a great cast in this. We have the guy. Yeah. Robert England doesn't even have to be a good actor. Yeah. We've got to give him seven, you know, welcome to primetime, you know, um, type like quip lines. Yeah. And we're just going to let him run wild with, don't forget to buckle up, Dan, you know, let's make a baby. Don't drink and drive. All those, all the right on the nose mm-hmm. as cheesy one-liners as you can get. But also, this also leans into that action space, Jesse. Yeah. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger made a famous, famous career on out of doing the same thing. Yeah. So it's going to school on what's monetizing the box office. Get out. <laughs> Only in a rerun. You know, it's it's that. But, I lied. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, how have one we, ugly mother trucker. How have we not done Commando on this podcast? I know. I know. <laughs> Come on. So Commando, Conan the Barbarian. Predator. Yeah. Oh, we've done Predator. Again. We'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> just because so we're... much fun. The one thing I remember about the Predator episode, and hey, everybody, go back and listen to Predator. I remember going on like a 20-minute soapbox on how action films today were garbage, and Predator was the shit because of how, like, you know, practical and, like, we're in the freaking Central American jungle making yeah. this movie. Yep. Anyway, maybe we'll do it again. We're putting the cart, or I'm putting the cart before the horse a little bit by doing this this week instead of next week. So I'm just going to just tease it out. This is podcasting 101 here. Okay. Where they started and where they finished, not insofar as the shape of story and what's in the best condition, but how far each of the franchise has moved or returned to its original state is a really interesting discussion about these three. Let's go back last week for just a moment. Mm-hmm. We return to whodunit. Yeah. Right? It's it's not, it doesn't have the uh, surprise that the first one did, mm-hmm. and far more bloody. But they're returning to a whodunit with, this is important, the return in what's going to be a trilogy of Tommy Jarvis. We found a hero that is good enough to go toe-to-toe with Jason to make the audience at least have some familiarity. And in the case of Friday the 13th, it's not a girl. Yeah. That is different. Yeah, final boy. <laughs> right? Yeah. So now Nightmare this week, mm-hmm. the return of Alice. Yeah. Our, of all the final girls we have been introduced to in any slasher, she is by far the most powerful. The Scarlet Witch of the, pow- of the final girls she's, in our series. She's trumped uh, Heather Langenkamp. Yeah, well, who's who's coming back soon too? She's coming back also. <laughs> so's West so's Laurie Strode. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so's Wes Craven for that matter. See, mm-hmm. which kind of was why I set that question up: is he does come back? Why didn't he come back here? Because he's going to come back. I know. Or even anyway, well, yeah, we're getting ahead. Okay, of so yeah. that's the first two pegs. The third peg is going to be next week with Michael and what they've chosen to go with. And I think it's a really interesting story because inside this genre that is really popular but not 1985 popular. Now, how do we make this kind of action style popular? Mm. What have we done to keep butts in seats and keep some level of interest? I think in all of the films that you could jump back into, if you are a new movie goer and you're just trying out slasher horror for the first time, I think Friday the 13th was far more welcoming to new eyes. Haven't seen a Jason movie yet than than Nightmare is at this point. And now you got to be watching like, do I need to go back and watch? And the answer is yes, you need to go watch the other four to know what the hell's going on in here. Yeah, they are pulling from, you know, different things set up and, uh, you know, particular elements. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. We'll have to see what's waiting for us with Michael because they're about to introduce some things in there that I ain't too too big a fan of, but... So let me throw one more thing and then we'll go back to the story. Okay. 
Friday the 13th has returned to Who Done It mm-hmm. in entry five. Nightmare has returned to Dreams in number five. And if you think about Dreams, I'm, I'm giving this a bit of a parachute here. If you think about Dreams, they play very fast and loose with reality and gravity and anything having to do with physics. They are science fiction because it's, and I don't want to hear any dream sequence, subconscious meta message bullshit oh, on the dream, socials dream. this week telling me, no, a swan means that fuck you. It doesn't dream, mean no dream analysis. I, that's horseshit, <laughs> yeah. but it does play fast and loose yeah. with all of those things. Mm-hmm. So they're in that space. Mm-hmm. So we've returned to what the basis is, although I would argue, especially in this far different than what we saw initially, we're still what those films are, who done it and dreams. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you next week is going to be explosive. I cannot <laughs> wait for next week. <laughs> Because I know you hate this film next week, and um, it, it, it's the third yeah. pillar in this structure. Exactly, and they both came out. So think of this: you want to talk about just, dude? I, I wish I wish I was I could have been around in the heyday to watch mm-hmm. all this stuff. Because mm-hmm. in '89, you had Jason Takes Manhattan, mm-hmm. this film, and Halloween Five. Like they were all coming out the same year. So you had the big three, and that was like the last time that was ever going to happen. Uh, yeah. And we're all going to crazy town with all of them, really. Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's really Canada. <laughs> Better than space, but okay. Yeah. If uh, we make it to Jason in space, we've really done something. Because isn't that like 12? Yeah, that's... No, that's 10. X. Wow. Yeah. Back I, to this, though. <laughs> back to the story. Uh, Dan's been turned into the, the motorcycle and, and died, and Alice has seen it. Yeah. And so she wakes up in the hospital, and she's, you know, beside herself, and uh, her Yvonne's there. I thought, it was like, is she wearing her diner garb? But no, she's wearing her nurse's outfit, because she works at this hospital. Mm-hmm. And the doctor comes in, and eh, this, you know, hysteria, I guess, is expected in someone in your condition. She's like, what about my condition? She finds out she's pregnant here. <laughs> Dan's parents are just like... Got, oh God! You gotta be kidding me! That they were like beside themselves, of like not only is our son dead, but now he like his legacy is with this girl that we may or may not like. I don't know. We'll come back to that scene here in a little bit. Not happy. Yeah. So she finds out about. So now she has to deal with. Oh my God! Like my, my boyfriend, this guy I really cared about, died in a horrible way. A. It also signals Kruger's back. B. C. Had his buzz do it in Home Alone. A, A, I'm not that lucky. Two, we have smoke detectors. And D, <laughs> uh, and D, Alice is is pregnant now. So mm-hmm. what's she going to do going forward? Uh, she makes a decision very early on. This is part of Dan. I'm going to keep this child. I'm going to do the. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be responsible about it. Uh, and her friends think she's crazy. And uh, I, I like that. You know, she does give them. If hey, if you need the ketchup scene. Here it is right here. Mm. Amanda Kruger was part of a religious order that ran that asylum in the 1940s. She was raped by lunatics and had the baby there. That baby grew up to be Freddy Krueger, who murdered 20 or 30 kids right here on Elm Street. He got caught, but the courts cut him loose on a technicality. So the parents of the murdered kids got together and killed him. Torched him. But that was just the beginning. He keeps on killing. But he kills people in their dreams. Their nightmares. He uses my dreams to bring him his victims. It's my fault that Dan's dead. Stop saying that. That's bullshit. Let's talk about the baby. 
Yeah, congratulations. I guess. That's not what we're here for. Look, Dan's parents were really pushing him hard. He was bitching about it last night at the party. He was under a lot of pressure. We all are. Yeah, pushy parents can drive you nuts. What does that have to do with it? Look, when Dan died, you weren't even asleep. You even said so. In the story. Dun, yeah. dun, dun. Yeah. So we're learning about Amanda Kruger working at this asylum, how Freddie was born, how he attacks people in their dreams, but how is this possible because I've been awake when this is happening? Mm-hmm. Is she lucid dreaming? Is she micro-napping? Like, what is going on here? And then we get a, this pretty great scene here with Greta, who's this model, and, you know, her mom, dude, her mom looks like Gozer from Ghostbusters. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> just this waspy... Mm-hmm. biatch uh mm-hmm. just pushing her daughter into something that obviously she doesn't want to be involved with right body dysmorphia you know starve yourself go go puke one out and then come back for seconds and we're having a party with all the talent the agencies and she dozes off and man here comes waiter kruger uh it's a pretty silly line you're the one who's always slapping my hand about my weight mother that's why we diet, dear. So we can eat at social events and not upset the other guests. Tell you what, why don't I just eat the whole goddamn tray, go throw up and come back for seconds, all right? Madam, if I may. Bon appétit, bitch. Nothing but the best for Greta. It's a pretty gross sequence, right? Of this like force feeding. It reminds me of a couple things. One, a film we definitely have to do one day, Society, which is all these like pulsating fat people, like the body cheeks, and it's disgusting. Mm. And it looks like that. And, uh, it also reminds me of Monty Python and the the meaning of life. Yeah, a dinner a dinner mint. Uh, and then it cuts to Alice in the kitchen, and they do a pretty cool little like stop motion animation with her fridge contents. And then Alice or uh, 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 Greta comes through the thing, and Fred Kruger like slams the door shut. I, I think that's all per- fairly invented, but comedy on high, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you got Kruger as Kruger waiter, right? Uh, your your tongue's obviously in cheek. I don't know if I love that, man. Mm. I love what he does to her. Mm-hmm. It's cool watching her cheeks, especially. She's gross because there's... <clears throat> force feeding her, yeah. I think she's so full she can't even swallow anymore, and it's just resting in her mouth. It, oatmeal or mush or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. gross. I, I don't know. Come on, man. Chef Freddy. <laughs> and then... Again, the same line, bon appetit, bon appetit, bitch. He's it's just get it's already getting stale for me in this film. Mm-hmm. They're wearing the body changes he puts the people through is not the characterizations of Freddy as Freddy Chef, Freddy Motorcycle. It's it's get it's starting to it's starting to wear on me. Sure. Although the I I don't have any problems with this scene. You don't need to dress him up as a chef. We get it. Just let just let him feed her. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of, cause around this time too, we're also introduced to this little boy, Jacob. Yeah. What a weird, weird looking kid. Huh? Yeah. Whit, Whit Hertford, who I remember mostly from Jurassic Park. This is the kid that Alan Grant's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the not, beginning. It, it looks like a six foot turkey and he like makes an example of this kid. Yeah. Uh, fantastic scene in another, in another movie, but yeah, weird looking kid. 
I would think we're led to believe that this is Alice's future child, right? Yeah. She even starts naming the, the baby Jacob. Uh, and we're kind of wondering, like, what's this kid up to? Like, what's he doing? And, like, he's just kind of like this, almost like this harbinger off to the side here. Um, and in between all that, you know, there's a lot going on. You know, we're trying to find out, okay, if he's using, if he's finding a way to come back, we need uh, to figure out what's going on. So, like, Amanda Kruger kind of becomes, like, the the mom. Like, what happened to her? You know, what was her ultimate demise? And then I really like this uh, ultrasound sequence. Uh, so, Alice is like, I need to go see, make sure everything's going okay. So, she goes and gets an ultrasound for her baby. And, you know, it becomes kind of a nightmare. So, then we go interior womb day, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's, like, the the baby puppet in there. And, like, Freddy's against, like, the, the womb wall. And it's all kind of grotesque. And so the, the people that have died so far are being fed, like the souls of them are being fed into this fetus. And this is what's going to power this thing to like become Freddy, the Freddy victims that he's demise so he can become this kid when it's born, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's what I picked up. I think, is that the game plan? Me too, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that part's pretty cool. Watching the souls travel down the umbilical cord into the baby is mm-hmm. pretty cool. And then the baby has that very strange right eye. Yeah. That's blacked out, mm-hmm. almost like it's rotten already. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid he's like the resemblance is uncanny. <laughs> Pretty wild that we're inside the womb of herself. Yeah, because that's her. Ba- yeah, so yeah. Interior womb day. Alice looks upon her own womb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you writing that? It's just it's wild, but it look it looks pretty cool. The Hopkins credit, mm-hmm. but you know, on the in reality, everything looks pretty normal. Uh, but uh, the doctor's like, mm, this woman, woman's acting a little suspicious. And then we get this scene, and we, we kind of talked about it. Um, it's kind of a pretty good exchange mm-hmm. between two parties here. I'm going to play it out. We can talk about it. Um, this belong in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie? We wondered what you intend to do with your baby. What, what I what? Well, I've thought about it, and I plan to keep him. Well, we were concerned that all this might be a little bit too much for you. I mean, being single and everything. What Mr. Jordan means is that we're aware of the burden that that raising a child would place on you. We want to help. We want to adopt it and to raise it as though it were our own. Look, I appreciate what you're offering, but no, he's my responsibility. And ours. It's our grandchild. Doris, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Look, Alice, we're worried that in your present condition that you're, that you don't have the ability to take care of a What are you talking about? My condition? We got a call from Dr. Moore. He said that Alice was hysterical. Why is the doctor calling the she parents? was having paranoid <laughs> delusions. You don't understand. We know you've been through a lot. But there is more at stake here than just your feelings. You're not taking my baby. Well, the courts might not agree with you. But I do. And I've heard enough of this crap. You think you could just walk into my house and threaten my daughter? 
Oh, please, we have a legitimate claim to it. No. He's not a thing. He's part of me. And I'm not giving him to you or anyone else. Look, much like last week when we stumbled across this interesting place in the sun sequence that, was that supposed to be in Friday the 13th? A new beginning? I think this is pretty good. This is kind of a, a push and pull for the life of this child. And we'd already had it, like the scene prior, the comic book guy, Mark, and her brings up, have you thought of it like, you know, having an abortion? Because this will stop the dream door. Freddie can't come through it. And this is over. And she said, I don't want to. It's the last part of Dan is with me. So one of the reasons why I want to I want to have this child. And then she goes downstairs to that gauntlet right there. Yeah. A, why is the doctor calling the parents? That's insane. B, like, <laughs> I think I joked to you, they should have come in a little softer. We're worried about you. We know it's a bit of a burden. We want to financially help you out as this is our grandchild. How about that? Not take the kid from you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Especially in the state. Your, your state. My state. Yeah. Yeah. As Freddie would call you. Yeah, bitch. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean... When did ordinary people show up I was in this just, film? I was just going to say, I was <laughs> really? like, yeah, we just turned into ordinary people all of a sudden. Okay. That's a pretty well-written scene. Let's raise it up to that because yeah. it has no business in this film, kind of like last week with yeah. The Place in the Sun. But yeah. it works because you know what you're doing? Yeah. In a shockingly quick and and um, interesting way, you're trying to develop some empathy in the character yeah. for the audience, for the hero, mm-hmm. heroine. Uh, yeah, uh, this works. This works great. Mm-hmm. Also makes you hate Dan's parents even more. And I think that's another theme that I wanted to talk about earlier and we've missed it. Other than Alice's father, who has a history of not being a great dad, man, the parents throughout Nightmare. Yeah, there's one film, two film, three film, four film, fifth film. Well, look, look, yeah. All of these parents. They suck. Which necessary because we have the backstory of them wanting to burn Freddie and take, you know, justice in their own hands. These parents are horrible people. Yeah, yeah. from John Saxon, like, mm-hmm. honey, mm-hmm. like he's like, he's like, he's like, we bunt to the boogeyman. And then mm-hmm. Ronnie Blakely, dude, she three vodka bottles deep in that movie. By 9 a.m. Yeah, they're they're terrible. And Jesse's parents suck. Andale, uh, uh, Kristen's parents in, in part three, right? Yep. It's like these, I want to know that we need a, we need a nightmare film from the perspective of the parents. And what led them down this road where they're just these waspy you know, upper crust assholes yeah. that have kind of led them down this path where they would come to a decision yeah. of, we need to kill this man, right? Yes. Because they're the ones who should be paying for it, not their kids, right? Yes. Uh, I think there's we'll some- We'll call it Prisoners 2. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Prisoners Part 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's some fruit on that vine there. I do just, too. The, the evil nature, it's almost a little it-like, right? Do you uh-huh. remember in it where like the, all the adults and everyone's just a little too sinister, right? Yeah. yeah. Same thing here. Yeah, Dan's parents, uh, you know, Alice's dad is kind of changing. He kind of wants to be there for his daughter in this time. But, yeah, that scene, I, I, I remember seeing that, and I was like, that tripped me out, man. It's just, and they come in, we'll see what the courts have to say about that. Yeah, I don't think you're winning that one either, people. Right, no. Yeah. Uh, and so, in between that, you know, we got to go find out what happened to Amanda Kruger. And Yvonne, her other friend, is still kind of on the fence about this whole thing, and we get a pretty cool like triple dream sequence here where Alice is running around the asylum. Yvonne goes from the diving board into like this dream kind of area. That was pretty cool. And then Mark a little after that gets pulled into 
his comic book, this nightmare comic book that he had, he has a pretty uh, good collection too, by the way, right? Yes, he does. Aspiring comic book artist, I suppose. And what did you think of this? Because now we're like, this was what I was going to bring up with Freddy Krueger. Like, Krueger is like, he's like Bugs Bunny. It's like, what's up, Doc? Bitch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it's it's that same type of like Bugs Bunny, like smart ass humor. I love Bugs Bunny, by the way, like yeah. fantastically written and voiced character. Um, but we're doing a little of that here. So where does Super Freddy and all that fit in for you? If you're like the the realm of realism and the fantastical is so blurred at this point, where does this fit in? And you know, we're doing comic books, and we know we like that aspect. Where are you fitting on this one? I think the fight sequence is awesome. I think Super Freddy's a little bit ridiculous. Again, you don't need to do that. Just let it be Freddy. He doesn't have to turn into the chef or the superhero. Just let it be Freddy. Yeah. But that scene's great, man. Mm-hmm. When he shreds Mark, the he turns Mark the the part where Mark has turned into paper version of Mark and the coloring in that scene, well, which dr- is all black and white. Yeah. It's that that's that's the best part of the film. It drains the color out of out of Mark, right? Instead of bleeds out, he colors out. It's cool, man. That I wanna, scene's really cool. I want to know how they filmed that. Like, was it truly, was it just like an after effect, like black and white filter? Or did they like actually have like this like black and white set with like Freddie mm. and black and white makeup? Because that would be really cool, right? I agree. Uh, but I, I like that that's set up. I mean, this kid's drawing from the second we see him. And, you know, of course, he's going to get pulled into the thing like, Oz, take on me, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it can border on silly, but I think I'm more in your camp of, I think that's a pretty cool sequence, even though it's a little too quippy at times watching that color drain out of him. And then there's just like this bloody corpse in his comic book pile. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So yeah, we're here in the finale here, the final 20 minutes of the film. And to me, this is where I think the film really kind of lost me every time I've seen it. Cause you know, watching it this time and you know, in preparation for this, it was, I was kind of on board with a lot of the ideas, the the dream childness, the using the womb as the door or whatever. Uh, but here, it's almost like we didn't know how to end this movie. It was almost like Hitchcock entered in at the last minute. It was like, here, yeah, I'll do you. I'll do you your ending for you. <laughs> and it, it's a bit messy. I mean, we're doing MC Escher here, and yeah. we're going up the sideways stairs. And Jacob shows up, and now it's Daddy Freddy. I do like the scene where Freddy goes in with the 100 maniacs, and they kind of rip him apart. Mm -hmm. thought that was pretty cool. Meanwhile, Yvonne finds the bones of Amanda Kruger, and I guess just putting her eyes on her was like, thank you, you found me. My spirit is freed. Because I guess they walled her up. I don't know. I do remember when Mark pulled out that book of Christian mythology. Yeah. You mean the Bible? Why don't you call it the Bible? (laughs) The Christian mythology uh, of how he needs (laughs) to find this soul that's kind of in stasis now, right? Mm -hmm. And then Alice is kind of doing a thing and like, Kruger comes out of her. It it gets a bit messy here. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the the end of this? Uh, I I love the the gothic architecture. I love the hammer whoreness of this asylum and the look and the matte paintings and what, however they did it. The sets in this film look great, uh, but... I can't make heads or tails of who's trying to kill what, how they're doing it, the sideways stairs, the Jacob fetus, the real, the Freddy fetus. Where are you coming in on this? Yeah, I'm with you. As much as the sideways stairs of MC Escher just are more a a nuisance to what you're trying to focus on in the film than serving any functional purpose other than you're in a surreal state. 
I thought that scene when Freddie comes out of Amanda was ridiculous. Not because he's, Amanda I mean, Alice. Alice, yeah. Not because he's in her, which makes sense. I buy that. But this, I like the thing prequel splitting and you have the faces that are melted that are too like just come on man like you can't do that to alice in any state and let her come back to a sense of normal because you've ruined her body you can't you you can't have your face stretched out Mm -hmm. and your jaw open up and freddie come out yes it was so busy and all over the place and the problem is I think they have a couple decent arcs going at that point. Yeah. If Yvonne's job is to go find the remains of Amanda Kruger to either exhume them or to give their a proper burial, and that then will allow, as they have come to know, Amanda the ability to come back and mom take out son, then fine, do that. But that needed to be set up a long time ago with Mystery Incorporated sort of divisions within the group. And Mark, you stay with me. Dan, and so you got, right, that that happens, that's a different movie. Yeah. Um, I like that they're addressing it, and I like that mom is coming back, because they did set it up in the beginning, the importance of mom's role in this. But Alice just sort of taking on Freddy to occupy him while Yvonne knocks down the wall. Even that's okay, but the the visual around it is just white noise. It's mm-hmm. just white noise. Yeah. Um, and I know it's a dream, but it does lack kind of like a, a central gravity, as opposed to the other three films that are fairly you know easy to kind of decipher how we're dispatching of the beast. Well, you just said something that you know I'm not a fan <laughs> I of. I know lack of gravity or adherence to any physics is ridiculous. Hey, dude, blame the sideways stairs. Yes. <laughs> what are we doing? That's there? a perfect expression. We talked about the first Spider-Man film, the animated Spider-Man Into the film. Spider-Verse, yeah. And I said that just the, the lack of, of gravity and geometry and, and physical volume. Yeah. Central gravity. Less of a problem second time out for you, though. Way less of a problem. <laughs> yeah. But the Kingpin Spider-Man fight's ridiculous. I'm like, come on. Well, this he's, is he's as big as a house. <laughs> yeah. So this is in that same space. You don't need to do that. You just, Freddy's enough. Pump the brakes just a little bit and let your character be character, not character as something else as the character. Do you like how the he, chef? Yeah, yeah. Chef. Split version of birthing him, him out of her. Uh, you just, you just, you're just bombarding me with just bullshit. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit much even for me too. Uh, what, what about how he's dispatched? I mean, mm-hmm. Jacob throws up or something, and then the souls that were trapped in Freddy kind of escaped through his back. Now, visually that looked pretty cool. Cause it's like big cheeks, mm-hmm. superhero face and motorcycle head kind of coming out the back of him to come back. And then I guess he goes back into the womb of Amanda and she goes back into the asylum to not birth Freddy. What is that? Right. How do we write that? Undo that. <laughs> We've seen the victims of Freddy show up on his body before. Mm-hmm. We've seen that, whether it's a meatball or whatever it might be. Remember that? Yeah. The so, ultimate meatball. Oh, by the oh, <laughs> we needed to do this at the beginning of the show. We missed a big one here. Oh, yeah. We got to raise up for two. Yeah, okay. Burt Young. Oh, yeah. And Piper Laurie. I, I know. Two of them. Two people we've talked about a ton on this podcast taken from us this week. Thank you for all of your work, fellas. Long, long good lives. Their filmographies speak for themselves. So, Yeah, Piper Laurie has been 
probably the most talked about character for out of my mouth on this show. Yeah. That's my bet. I meant to do that at the very beginning, but hmm. Polly. Yeah. Here's to you, buddy. Yeah, here's to you. Yep. Um, okay, so good job on that. Mm-hmm. Good catch. Okay, so the the visage of the victims on Freddy's body has shown up before. So if they want to come out, then that's fine. And we are, I guess, in a birthing space. So maybe he's birthing them. Uh, yeah. Sort of <laughs> been approached, I guess, in the film prior to this. I don't know if re-unbirthing Freddy back into her womb is enough to make me think, well, that will hold him this time, especially after what they did to him in number four. And it kind of doesn't even work because then after she re-unbirths him, whatever we want to call that, she's locked behind five doors that then they proceed to destroy. And then we fade out with her not behind any, what I conceive, perceivable barriers that will hold her other than just the mortal coil of her, the walls of her womb. I, what yeah. the, f- yeah. I don't know. I, what I, are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> the movie's got to end. What should happen is she should reabsorb him. I don't know what, what to even call that. Mm. Unbirth him. And then she should disappear. Then she goes to whatever otherly plane with him Afterlife. inside of her. Yeah. How did you miss that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last 15 minutes of this film are a mess. Yeah, a bit messy. And it feels it feels like it was rewritten a few times, maybe on the day of, hey, we're guys, we're doing this today. It's like, eh, not the best way to make movies, right? Yeah. So, but it ends. Alice has her baby, this healthy little boy, I suppose named Jacob, right? That's huge. That baby's huge. This baby, That baby's as big as our studio. Well, I, <laughs> but he's covered in about you know this blanket bigger than him. Yeah. <laughs> It's an interesting end, and then you know we cut to the 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 the, the nursery rhyme with the the jump rope girls, which I would like to kind of know how that whole thing started. I don't think that's ever been discussed in these films of like who came up with that nursery rhyme because a it rocks, mm-hmm. b it's sinister as hell, but they could they could play around with that a little bit, and then also we go back into Nancy's original house at a point in this film, the red door, right? And I don't think we do enough with that house of like its significance other than it being the house from the first movie. Did, did Kruger live there? Like what is going on? Like with that, that we keep going back to it. There has to be some sort of seminal important. Is that where the first murder took place? Uh, the first Kruger child murder? Like what happened there? And this, this series just never goes there. The other big miss for me at the end is having some article of clothing or child's blanket or picnic basket or what have you not be the red and green striped sweater that has been nomenclature throughout this film from the very first time where that's the top of a bus yeah you know if dad is at the picnic park with daughter and yvonne yeah and grandson then as he leans back his trousers pop up a little bit and he's got red and green socks on there's any number he, of ways he, to he do pulls that. A, a can of pepsi that's like red and green striped yeah the baby's pacifiers you know i mean there's any number of things they could have done other than the the skipping jump rope bit with the nursery rhyme one two freddy's after you is a little too on the nose for me but i i, I guess he's defeated we have an end for this film mm-hmm. alice is still alive and now she's given 
maybe the most important job. And that's somehow making sure that Freddie doesn't infiltrate this kid's dream. So you are led to think like, oh yeah, six is going to be like the battle for the baby. It's not. Yeah. That's what you think. Should be. I just rewatched six. And so to just tease that one out a little bit, uh, Freddie just, Freddie's just, he's just there. He just shows up with it. There's no like bringing him back. He's already back at the beginning of that film. So whatever craziness happened with Amanda and the rebirthing, debirthing of the Kruger, they throw that right out the window. I might pitch you an idea for sixes right now. Yeah. And that's instead of doing episode six in these is taking a break for a minute and doing the hard reboot for each of the three, the Jackie Earl Haley nightmare, the remake of Friday the 13th when they did that. Um, and then the Rob Zombie. No, the Gordon. Well, that one, that, the, the the one they've done now. That would be good. What's that guy's name? Yeah, David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green, yeah. The Rob Zombie ones would be good to do. I okay, mean, so I mean, I mean, that event, might be interesting, right? I mean, eventually we'll get there. But yeah, if you want to break up and yeah, because six, the, with the sixes. The sixes are bad. This, well, they're bad, but they're. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Halloween has two different versions of a six. Yeah. The producer's cut and the theatrical cut. And really? That's two. Com- Do you remember when we did the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 and mm-hmm. that? It's that. It's two totally different movies. Mm. So, okay. We'll, we'll play around with it. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we come up with. But, you know, I like, yeah, talking about, yeah, reboots and like the restarts. Uh, just wild town with these friends. That's why I like them too. They're roller coaster rides. It's like, what are these people going to come up with next to bring this back so they can get butts in the seats to make more money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How preposterous are these ideas going to get? Like, how far out into the and uh, the extraordinary are we going to get with these? Get something like the Dream Child. So let's answer a couple questions first. Uh, the, the one factoid tidbit that I had for you is this was the lowest grossing of the Nightmare films thus far. So I think... I set up that question early to have, to have this, which is I think there is a bit of Freddy fatigue, even from an audience's perspective. It could be in the crowded 89 summer, right? I mean, it was yeah. it was busy, but... It's not. I think, yeah, it's just like... Enough's enough. Enough's enough, and it felt rushed, too. I think this came out like less than a year from Dream Master. It's like, how's that adequate time to prep a movie? Mm-hmm. I think Hopkins said he was hired in March. The movie came out in August. How? How do you do that? Five months. That's not a lot of prep to, or maybe it was February. Maybe February to August. Shit. What's the runtime on? 145? No, it was 129. 90 minutes. Perfect, right? Perfect. It should be. Mm -hmm. If it was 140, I'd be, I'd have some issues, like Mm -hmm. a lot more issues. Uh, But. I think the audience is starting to recognize this is a cash grab now. And, and then we're also transitioning from 1989. We're about to jump into the 90s. And horror's going to get a whole mm-hmm. lot different in the 90s. And in our opinion, not that great, right? Right. It's going to become a little more leaning into the psychological mm-hmm. thriller. Silence of the Lambs. Six cents. The seven. Uh, the seven. The seven. <laughs> seven. Uh, yuppie nightmares like yeah. uh, Basic Instinct, mm-hmm. Pacific Heights, Fear. Unlawful Entry. Yeah, Unlawful Entry. Like, oh, Fear, yeah. Horse, yeah, Fear's great, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all could have been different, Mr. Waka. You should let nature take its course. So let me in the fucking house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Wes Craven's going to kind of save the genre again with Scream, right? Scream's mm-hmm. like a nexus point. He's kind of done it a few times, right? Mm-hmm. He's had his stamp on like reinventing like what horror can and feel like. Uh, but yeah, 
the, my questions to you now are: What's the your favorite kill of A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Dream Child? Um, comic book guy. What's his name? David Jason Mark Mark, comic book guy. Greta's close, man. She's good too. I like the Greta one, yeah. Uh, but no, the comic book slashing that I visually that's you know what it reminded me of actually huh. is Sin City. Mm. The use of sparse amounts of color on only the things that matter to make it look even more comic booking than it naturally is. It's, uh, has nothing to do with the film yeah. and not what anyone would say is fine slasher moments, but man, that's really, really well done. Talk about another film. We got to do one of these days. Mm-hmm. I'd love City. to. Yeah, it'd be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, very noir, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to go motorcycle Dan. That mm-hmm. thing was gruesome on end and it's just it's so it's almost giger like and like it's it's looking the piping and the 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 wiring but i thought they did a good job with that little effect what's the oh my god moment of a nightmare on elm street dream child you know i was worried about and i'm oh my god because i'm glad they didn't do it so oh my god thank you was when the orderlies leave the sanitarium and leave Amanda Kruger locked in there, and the the role of voices and, and the just messing around that goes on comes to a complete stop, and you can hear a pin drop in there. Mm. And the only thing that you can hear is her feet shuffling backwards into just more and more waves of these crazy lunatic inmates. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. Are we going there? <sighs> We're going. And they thankfully... Wake Alice up in time. <laughs> but without... Not leading into what's going to happen. Yeah. So that's my oh my God moment today. Good. Yeah, I think I'll go uh, Kruger Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty grotesque. It so is. it looks gross, but it's also uh, it's also maybe like, I, I don't know if I needed to see that in this entire franchise, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's almost jumping the baby carriage a little bit mm-hmm. or economizing the monkeys, as you so eloquently put, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll go with that one. It works, but it also, it kind of really doesn't work at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the master distiller on The Dream Child? Alice? Lisa Wilcox? Why not? <laughs> I asked you afterwards, what was her what was her filmography like? It's not sparse. Yeah, very sparse. I think she's doing an adequate job of the second time on this. We've seen a couple, two runs, Laurie Strode, Heather Langenkamp. Um... I think she's okay. Yeah. I, I like her. She's She's got a girl next door quality to her about her that I think is very becoming. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to her. Excellent. Uh, I will give it to... Yeah, I'll give it to Lisa Wilcox too. Oftentimes, do you, you don't get uh, these final girls like returning, right? Um, on the very rare instance, even like Patricia Arquette, Kristen, I mean, they recast her for the next one. Right. So I think it's good to see her again here, but yeah, I think two films, I think we've shown her to be a pretty formidable Kruger, uh, protagonist. So it's pretty, yeah. Girl next door. I think that, I think that that's right. Like classic girl next door looks, but you know, she's got the brawn to, to back it up. And I think the knowledge to the brains, I mean, she's, she's able to figure out things, you know, through some a, a bit of investigation, which is kind of the fun of some of these of these films, but very capable. And then the people doing some of these effects, like I, there's probably dozens to to name, but I thought they did a great job. Five films in, I mean, I think they're still putting in the efforts. Not there on the Kruger makeup, but the the on the kills, I think they're still doing a great job on them. Is Robert England getting better or worse at the character? <sighs> 
uh, maybe a little bit worse. And I don't I know, maybe, maybe he's getting bored playing the character. Sure. Because what more different are they able to offer him, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not a whole lot. I mean, he gets a quip per kill, a little thing on the in, a quip in, on the in-between. And yeah, I wonder if he's getting a little fatigued. I wonder if he needs things reinvented a little bit for him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also watched Freddy versus Jason this week, which is... You talk about a wild, a wild ride. I've never seen that. Really? I've never seen Holy it. Holy crap, man. Mm-mm. Well, you know, when we get there in uh, <laughs> yeah. in six years, yeah. we, we can talk about Freddie BJ. Uh, oh, I'm surprised you didn't see that in the theater when it came out. Is it Robert England too? Yeah. And it's the, the last time he played the character. And, you know, for all the kind of misgivings with that particular film, I think he finally gets to play a sinister Kruger again. Uh, and if that's his swan song playing the character, which I think it is at this point, I mean, the guy's like 70s now, uh, it's a pretty good swan song for him play, mm. playing that guy one more time. It's not this. It's not this bon appetit. I mean, he, he has one-liners. Don't don't get me wrong. But, yeah, that's that's. I think that's an issue. Is, is he getting worse as the series goes on? Because I'm saying yes at this point. Well, it's just, he's more in the spotlight, right? Yeah. He's the star of the... It's Robert England in A Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. The Dream Child, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's the star front and center. But then when you don't have England in it... See, this is what I want to know. Well, let's talk about this here because okay. we just got to see David Gordon Green do three very polarizing but made a lot of money uh, Halloween trilogy, right? Yeah. And... Friday the 13th, last I checked, uh, the guy that did Hannibal, frick is that, Brian Fuller, is, they're doing a show. I, it, it's either coming out on Peacock or or something, but it's it's a Crystal Lake show. Mm. This is going to be a Jason, a Jason show. So if he's doing it, Hannibal rocks. Uh, that could be pretty cool. Where's Freddy? Since the remake in 2010, that character's been MIA. Yep. And it's not tied up in any rights issues. What is going on there? They have to have some sort of like team, like saying, "How can we bring this person back?" Is it cat? Is it is this role so hard to cast that is that's what's stopping people? Because I will say, Jack Carroll Haley, I thought was good as the character, but that movie's kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And is it a mistake not to have Kruger running around in twenty twenty three? It's time. Thirteen years is a long time. Where there's no fatigue now. Is he still relevant? Yeah, it was. Upon reintroduction, he will be if you can do it right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. I mean, is it possible that the the reimagining of Freddy is from male to female? Well, that's what they did with Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you can do anything you want with those Cenobites. That's not going to make or break, you know, Clyde Barker's S&M whore. Um, I don't know. If that's what gets him back, hey, do it. I don't care. I just, mm-hmm. I think that world, the dream slasher... The supernatural, fantastical world that is this franchise, I just can't believe because that'll get butts and seeds. Oh, for sure. Put it on HBO Max. Do a series. I don't care. Like, it, do something with it. I think the prequel that you just pitched is a great idea. Which prequel? Oh, the parents? Yeah. What do the parents do to rally around this guy? You could pick it up from him being found guilty to some shyster lawyer getting him off. You know, I like that idea, justice in the hands of the non-justified. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's yeah. murk this out. Yeah, that like, could be a really awesome story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of, think of that. Like, Kruger gets off on the technicality. The parents like, well, let's 
band up. Mm-hmm. We're going to burn this guy. Mm-hmm. What happens? What's like the year, year, one year later? What does that look like? Look, he's, if, he's not going after the kids instantly. And if his mom is part of a religious order that runs a sanitarium, there's a lot of occult stuff that you can build into that and play with as well. Yeah. I Yes, I want to see that. Give it to Jason Blum. Give it to A24. Mm-hmm. Do something with this series. I know Wes Craven is RIP, right? Yeah. And Bob Shea, I mean, New Line Cinema is essentially Warner Brothers now. Mm-hmm. You got to do something with this series. I think it's just it's just gr- fertile ground that I think you can do some creative things with. Well, you know, if the Crystal Lake show does well, which it probably will. Well, I thought that, Matt, I thought when Halloween tw- tw- 2018, mm-hmm. the first one came out and scores like 50 million on its opening weekend. Yeah, let's go. And Greenlight's two sequels that they're going to film next to back to back. That was green light for Nightmare and Friday the 13th, if they can figure out their legal shit, which they have at this point, mm-hmm. which that's a stupid lawsuit. Anyway, uh, what are we doing, right? I we keep making Nightmare or uh, Texas Chainsaw. Yes, we always saw it. Hey, I like Saw. I know, I know. I know. Uh, but like some of these like long dormant thing, and I, I and maybe that's paved the way to do some other interesting avenues in horror. And we've had those. We've had the Ari Asters of the world and some other interesting experiments. But yeah, I'm not gonna. No one's gonna be upset if Freddy makes an appearance again. No way. Maybe it comes down it's to coming. Cass, it, it's co- coming. It comes down to cat. You got to get a good guy in there. You got to get a guy and are you making him quippy though? It, it, it's a delicate balance. Mm. I think I want it to be horrific. I, like, I make it scary as hell. Uh, well, that's a, well, I'm going to play. I promised you, I promised you this. Play this. We'll set up next week. <laughs> Want me to get him? Well, I got him. My mouth is an MC. And I shot him with a hundred surprise. With a design to make me rhyme. This time I draw the line. He's mine. Just chill. Don't nobody touch him. Because I'm going to get ill. I mean, you got to like that. Yeah. 89. Yeah. We got to bring this back, Matt. The mid 80s, you know, we would end our movies with some sort of song. We end a big trouble, little China. We got big trouble in little China. Mm -hmm. We end Fright Night with Fright Night, Night, Night. Yeah. (laughs) We would always end 80s movies with like a song that was titled of the movie. We need to bring that back. And then in the late 80s, early 90s, we would have the hip hop and see like Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. The Teenage Mutant. We would do that too. We got to bring one of these back. I like it. It's missing (laughs) right now. Cool Mo D's not busy. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be more than happy to help you out. You think Oppenheimer needed a little hip hop at the Oh end? boy, wouldn't that be mind blowing? <laughs> Drop the bomb. <laughs> Hello, Cool J. Oh, deepest bluest. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what I watched this week? I don't know. If, I'm sure you've seen it, but maybe it's been a while. Have you ever seen Michael Jackson's Ghosts? No. It's like the 39-minute movie. It was made by Stan Winston, written by Stephen King. Uh, and it's like Michael Jackson up at this like spooky mansion and like this like Frankenstein mob comes to get him because like kids have been hanging out at his mansion a little too much. Mm-hmm. And he dances his way into their hearts, right? Been spooking them. Have you never seen Ghost? I've never seen it. Oh, sending it to you after this. Okay. Yeah, check it out. They're trying to do thriller. They're not they're coming nowhere near close to thriller, but it's kind of an interesting, weird little experiment. Okay. I'll 90, check it out. 96. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So 
And uh, the effects, uh, Stan Winston did all the makeup and everything, so mm. it's very ghoulish. <laughs> cool. All right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, we kind of prefaced it next week. Next week's Halloween. It's the week of Halloween. We so. got to do our rankings. And we'll, yeah, and we'll do oh, okay. We'll do our, our rankings and ask the question that I, I, I love that you ask is, five films in, which franchise is in the best shape and what's in the worst shape? That should be an interesting conversation. Because we're going to be talking about Halloween 5 from also the year 1989. And I'll just preface this for you, Matt. And maybe we might need to watch this together just to have that experience. Rob Zombie included, the Dave Gordon Green stuff, Halloween uh, reality show Resurrection with Busta Rhymes. This is my least favorite Halloween movie of the batch. Wow. So next week's going to be explosive. It's going to be explosive, yeah. They, they they take some big swings and misses, and it's just, we'll get into all of it. Donald Pleasance is insane as can be, but this is where Halloween really starts to lose its footing and go down some crazy Mustafa Akkad paths, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Trankus films, right? So you can't go yet, though. We You can't go yet. We can't we can't leave the show yet. Okay. Because we didn't do our ratings for this movie yet. Oh shit. <laughs> so oh, we still gotta do he's so excited next week we forgot about it. But oh, that's okay. Wow, I've never done that before. That's okay. Okay. It, so this is live. Okay, let's rate and grade <laughs> yeah. the dream child. Okay. You should have when I was playing the music, I was I was I was ready to wrap this thing up, but yeah, we need to rank the movie. That might not be a good sign for this movie with the rating you're gonna give it. We have Rocket, Well Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Where are you going for the dream child? Well, plus, uh, there were some moments that were good. The end was terrible. Uh, and it, it's maybe for me, not even this particular film anymore. I'm just over Freddie at this point. I'm, yeah. I'm exhausted. Uh, you, I was going to save it for this, but you brought it up earlier. I, I'm out. I'm just out. I, I don't want any more quippy. I don't want any more dressing up like a chef. I don't mind what you do when you kill them and that's entertaining, but this is so far from what made me of the three like this one, the best initially. Yeah. It, this is it, it. well plus, and they have to retitle this film. They have the dream child is just such a non selling point. There's terrifying babies are not a thing. What would you call it? Oh, give me a chance to think born again. Number five, born again, born again. Yeah, when because it's that plays into the religious themes. That is the mother born again, born to run. <laughs> yeah, New Jersey said it. New Jersey. Then Bruce Springsteen could do the end credit song. Oh, not bad. There you go. Baby, we were born to run. Yeah. In your dreams, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'm with you. Well, plus, uh, yeah. I think I think you know going into this one, I was like, I don't remember really liking the Dream Child. You know, and from here, like for, uh, night, the Nightmare films are on really shaky ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, I was surprised by a few things. The look and feel and tone, uh, the production design, I think is phenomenal, uh, for this franchise. Uh, the kills, I think are really good. Motorcycle death, really, really, really inventive. That's fair. Uh, some of the acting, like I said, you're not going to get the best acting from these things. Characters are what they are, but I think they're serviceable to the the plot of the film. But yeah, I'm with you. The, the end of this thing is just like, is this, is this over yet? Cause this is messy and just, just wrap it up already. Um, and that's kind of a shame to say, but not as bad as I remembered it being. So I'll, yeah, I'll go with you. Well, plus I, I'm not going to teeter on Rocka cause I think there's some things to like. And if you like the Freddy character, I mean, I think it's still worth dipping a toe into this. Well, again, uh, see if you have the hashtag Freddy fatigue that, that, that Matt has, but 
uh, yeah, it could be a lot worse. It could be a whole hell of a lot worse. It could be like next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie compared to last week, at no point last week was I ready for the film to be over with. Because it was it, they they because they were operating on some sort of like extremist ridiculousness of yeah. I got to see what the heck these enchiladas yeah <laughs> what are we doing here and I think that's the charm of of part five it's a unique entry because of that here it's like let's go get we've it been done. here before let's do it yeah it's kind of like mm-hmm. what can you offer me different and they do take some some swings with you know the 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 womb stuff and the the dream door and I think that's interesting but. It kind of just runs its course by the end. So yep, agreed. Well, plus for me, uh, yeah, check. It. I think all the nightmare films right now they're all on H, uh, on Max mm-hmm. uh, and all the Friday Thirteenth. So if you're looking for some spooky fare, man, you can dip a toe into any of these two franchises. Tis the season, right? Tis the season, yeah. yeah. So as I preface, yeah, thanks for saving the show today, man. <laughs> just I, I was ready, dude. I'll see you next week. He was out. <laughs> I'll see. I was, uh, I was I was out, ready to go to uh, book book my uh, bus ticket to Haddonfield, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Halloween five. It's my least favorite of the series, but well, let's come back next week and let's find out why. And hey, I'll come in with an open mind. There's a couple things in here that I think are pretty okay, um, but there's man, it's just we'll. we'll We'll see, right? Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what, what what's what's going on there, and yeah, if I'm coming in, you know, with my personal favorite, you know, you know, Halloween's like kind of like my bread and butter of the, of the three. If I had my pick, mm-hmm. and it's just where we where we're going here, it's just like what. Do we, and my first viewing of this film, I'll I'll save it for next week, and it, it was something else, and especially how the film ends of just like uh, okay, <laughs> wow, all right, uh, I need to see like what happened after that. <laughs> But you got little Daniel Harris coming back as Jamie Lloyd. I mentioned Donald Pleasance uh, really going crazy in this one. Uh, so, yeah, some familiar territory here. But this seems pretty far from John Carpenter as well, from that little boy in Southern California stalking his babysitter, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll get into the nitty-gritty with it, and we'll I'm sure we'll sour mash some things, and we'll have some good audio clips along the way too. And next week's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Hey, I got to get going. Hey, uh, going to cater a dinner tonight. Hey, we got to go screen this waiter that's coming in. Man, his face is all messed up. He's got a weird glove. Like, do you think we should let him in? Yeah, I heard the meatballs are particularly good with this waiter. Yeah, he called someone a bitch too. Uh, I don't know if we're bringing him into the house, but good hey, idea. maybe we'll kick him to the curb. He can get a bus to Haddonfield, and we'll see you all next week, everybody. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, is property of New Line Cinema, Heron Communications, and Smart Egg Pictures and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Faster than a bastard maniac. Soldier! Comic books was bad for you!